Welcome to the Am I Hunting Podcast. This week, I'm joined by my friend Dwayne as we review our recent South Dakota whitetail trip. Alright, yeah, so this episode we recorded on our way back from a week in South Dakota uh, in the Black Hills. Unfortunately, my friend that was joining me for this trip, he did not have a tag, but he wanted to come out anyways because uh, he was good friends with our host who his family owns uh, a bit of property uh, right smack dab in the middle of the Black Hills. So we spent uh, a week with him. So um, as you listen to, to this episode, uh, we'll refer to our host or uh, or we sometimes we'll say his name, Gary. So if you hear both, um, that's who we're talking about. And then again, we are joined with some of our hunting adventures um, by a local who has lived there his whole life and uh, is quite familiar with the whole area. Now he now he is a bit of a character, so um, and he does have a bit of a history. So we don't really refer to him by his name. Um, we say that he's our guide, but he's really just a local friend of Gary's uh, and that loves hanging out and going out hunting. Uh, whenever he gets the chance essentially so but yeah so essentially go out there uh gary his son andrew uh, as well as myself all had white tail tags for out there and we were all able to harvest deer so we were uh, quite fortunate to be able to um, all be successful and bring home some deer uh, and then we were able to have some time left over to do some sightseeing so we'll go over that as well so I guess without further ado, we'll jump right into it. Again, we're on the road, so you may hear some road noise. You may even hear the navigation kick in. So just try to ignore that bit of the access noise there. Uh, but hopefully you enjoy it. No, we're doing good. We'll be back to our... We're still good. Yeah, we're... You say what? Almost... Man, we're halfway home. Oh, easy. All right, let's get on this freeway. So it took us 20 hours to get here. I think we're, we may... We're going to at least match it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're crossing water again. We're going to get some looks with... <laughs> ah, hold on to that. <laughs> All right. I ain't going to hold on to that. I was going to say, we're going to get some looks. <laughs> Wondering what the heck we're doing. It's like we're flying. Yeah, there we go. Yep. So, yeah, so... I don't even know how to start this one out, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, we're making our way back from South Dakota. You... You actually uh, put all the driving in before. Yeah, Tice did most of the driving on the way back. <laughs> Just fine with me. <laughs> but yeah, no, this this trip was awesome because you because you, you had went. It was 2017, right? Correct. So, and then you came back, and you knew that because I was a hunter, that I'd be interested in this. So we started putting the points in. I think you were right that you really, as much as you talk about how there's deer everywhere and that, I don't know, I guess you can explain it better. So when I went to South Dakota, in one day I seen more bucks than I'd seen in my life. And let's put that in perspective. I was 44 at the time, 48 now. And uh, coming back, talking to Ty, I you couldn't uh, describe it without having someone go there. So... Um, he started buying preference points and we ended up there. One of the things we talked about was that over the four years, things changed, COVID-19 happened, and we just weren't um, 
sure that uh, we would be able to do this. Um, just to be clear, I'm uh, I'm a respiratory therapist, and Ty is a sleep tech, and we worked. I would work at his hospital, and we would, you know, maybe see each other once every two weeks. And we've been, and then we, that kind of changed. I've changed positions. I wouldn't see Ty. Maybe we'd talk to him once every month, but uh, kept buying those preference points. And um, this year, I think it turned out good. Yep. So for this year, you, for some reason, weren't able to draw a tag for um, Black, Black Hills. Hills. Um, so I drew one, but you still wanted to come out. Um, especially sure. too because um, Gary who was our host he was out here with his son Andrew yeah we did that in 2017 to be honest with you I uh, the area is so amazing and you see so much wildlife it's, of course hunting is, is is the pinnacle but I don't know seeing someone be successful hunting to me is pretty equal yeah and and that's definitely the thing like with this trip it was definitely all right, so I guess we need to back up a little bit. So the the way we were hunting was quite a bit of road hunting. Now, the rules for South Dakota is that you you can actually ride in a vehicle with a gun loaded. Now, you can't have a round chambered, but you can have the gun loaded and with you. Correct. So basically with the, you know, with the terrain and everything, it's quite quite a bit easier to drive around until you start seeing the deer. If you see a good deer, or you can you know stop you have to get out get off the road um, and then you can chamber your chamber your round and then if you know if there's a deer then you can go ahead and shoot it or harvest it so that's you know that's how we ended up on now you could certainly do it the other way where you can find you know get up on these hills or on these mountains look over these valleys and you know hunt that way do more spotted stalk or you know ambush style but that's the way that you know this was doing it so you end up, you know, you're in a vehicle with a group of people, and it's basically everyone's kind of all hunting and looking for the deer um, while you're driving around on these side roads and log roads. and Yeah, just incredible terrain, interesting area. I did a, a, a large percentage of the driving, and um, maybe all of that. And um, I'll tell you, even as the driver, you can glimpse these deer as long as you're watching the road so you're not driving off the edge of... Uh, of a ravine um, but it's a uh, it's it's a pretty incredible experience so I attested to deer camp with live action meaning that you're you're experienced the deer camp while and the hunting as one which yep. is pretty unique yeah and I, I even kind of compared it to like a deer drive except for everyone that's part of the deer drive is all in the same vehicle Correct. So you, so it's basically that kind of that you're, you're slow, and then as soon as you see a, a deer, or especially if you see a buck, you know everyone gets all excited. You know, <laughs> I think our thing was either buck, 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 or big buck, big buck, um, and then everyone gets all excited, starts looking for that deer, and then yeah, the the shooter gets out and you know ends up either taking the deer or not. So and to give you know a better idea too, you know there are. The deer numbers are very high in the area, at least especially compared to um, Michigan, at least for more mature deer. Um, I mean, so we saw what, roughly 30 bucks-ish? I would say... Our GPS keeping us straight. <laughs> right, we're going to have to kind of pay attention to that for sure. But um, yeah, I would say 30 bucks. Um, Shooters 
are we going to say 10 to 12 shooters? I would say at least 12. Uh, now, again, we may not count the, the few that we saw in the state park because... Right. We can't draw that tag. We can't draw that tag, so we won't count them, yeah. But So that gives an idea that there were, yeah, about 12 or so what you would call shooter bucks in the area. Now, that would certainly be more than ones that, you know, like little four corns or year and a half full bucks. Let's make this clear how long we hunted. So morning one, hunting, we go out with a rental vehicle. Um, <laughs> we won't name the uh, company. But um, this rental vehicle only gave us about an hour, hour and a half of hunting, and it became two flat tires. Not one. We changed one tire, then the other tire became flat, and we were able to limp it down to a spot to be rescued. We had no cell phone service, you name it. So our morning hunt was particularly done. Also in this podcast, you'll know where we are doing this. <laughs> right. um, so uh, that was, um, you know, an experience. Um, we also had one of our primary guides with us. We, pr we can't use his uh, primary name. Well, we could, but <laughs> he may not want that. But, um, yeah, it was a very colorful time because I don't think he had any interest in walking, being that he's um, 72 years old. And, um, in a quarter mile, keep right of the <laughs> We're going to get this. Google's going to get us straight here. So, but anyway, so that was our first morning. And I don't, what do you think, Ty? Did we get an hour in? Um, it was maybe an hour and a half, but I think we need to back up even further yeah. because we're getting real packed up. Now, our host um, and his son, they had been out for a couple of days already. Yep. Oh, this is true. And they, what, either the day before we got there or. Um, the day of, of us getting there, they saw, what, 16 bucks, they said? They did. The day before, they seen 16 bucks, correct. So so they've already been seeing tons of deer. Now, we're gearing up because uh, they're going to take uh, us out for uh, the first hunt for the morning, getting all my hunting stuff together. And next thing you know, I'm still in the, the bunkhouse getting my stuff together and hear a shot. Now, Gary, our host who... Um, he was telling us that his scope ended up with a crack in it. So, you know, he was talking about having to use his other gun. So it wasn't quite zeroed in. So he wanted to, you know, potentially use that. So he shoots. And I'm thinking that he was just getting his gun zeroed, um, getting ready to go. Just daybreak. Just, yep, just, just daybreak. We're getting everything packed up for the morning hunt. Legal shooting time. Yep. And I step out and he's dragging a deer down the hill back to the house. <laughs> and this is what it was 11 pointer wasn't it yeah correct 11 point yep big 11 pointer that uh basically they're in this valley and this deer was coming down looking for does and he was able to step out you know he stepped out he grabbed his son's rifle and stepped out of the house and was able to get up there and shoot him and yeah by the time i made it outside the bunkhouse he was already dragging the, the deer back down to the house and then so that's how we started out the morning is he gets a really nice buck we get all cleaned up and then we head down uh and or head out to start our hunt and then yeah shortly down making it down our first road that we were really going to hunt next you're paying attention to the gauges and it's telling you that a tire's going flat yeah exactly and we're we were deciding whether or not you know to believe that gauge or not we take a look yeah the tire's getting low getting lower getting lower getting lower we stopped. Fortunately, the vehicle had a spare tire. We changed that tire out, get going again, thinking that, okay, well, this is a bit of a setback. We'll get it going again. 
and then sure enough, the other rear tire is losing air, and very quickly, we'll say. Yeah, I'm watching one pound go about every minute um, of air, maybe minute to two minutes. And then South Dakota way, um, our guide and uh, Gary decided to um, tell us it was just over yonder to get to a place to stop. Over yonder became, as Ty will tell you, several miles. Yeah, yeah. Just over there means you know five to ten miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that that that's their me unit of measurement. You know. Us in Michigan, we say, you know, how long it takes you there. So it's, oh, yeah, it's a 30-minute drive, 20-minute drive, an hour drive. For them, just over there means a few miles. But, yeah, so we finally, we get the, we made it out of the, the dirt road, made it a little bit basically on the flat tire down to a little turnoff on the main road. A flat tire and a donut. And a donut, yes. And we finally made it down to where there's a little turnoff, um, and then Gary's son comes picks pick us up, and then... And then, like you said, we end up spending the rest of the morning and early afternoon getting a new vehicle, which um, I think we've, we got the ultimate vehicle for us hunting on this trip. So. Yeah, as much of a setback as that first vehicle was um, breaking down. Of course, we were having issues with the, with that, with the radio. For yeah. some reason, it would, like, it would change the volume every few seconds, so it would be mm. up and down, up and down, up and down. And then, so yeah, so we actually end up we made it back into the main made it back to Rapid City, the yep. main city there that has the rental cars. And we got a we got a vehicle. They end up um upgrading us to a, a brand new um mid sized truck. Um it was just perfect. And so when we we went back up, Gary and was already hunting with his son. So Ty and I, of course I've been there before but um you know not of the knowledge that much of it, decided to go hunting. And, um, you know, we had two hours. It was about 3 p.m. Yep. So we had, well, a little, it's, a, it's about 4.57 is, is, is about the end of shooting time, to yep. be exact. Yep. And we decided to um, go ahead and I picked some service, forest service roads, presuming we had GPS that could get us back. Yeah. And we started to go, and well, we found some interesting terrain, some terrain that made me pretty nervous with a new uh new truck but the mid-size truck was, was the the answer because you drive through a lot of rocks in south dakota and um that being said the first um turn we've seen i seen a shooter big buck and that's um by, by the way that's what you say when you do this shooting to get the uh person with the gun you just say big buck and you stop ty was able to get out had a glimpse he did go up a ravine and you can share the rest of that story. Yeah, so, I mean, this was probably the biggest bucket we, we, oh, and actually, the backtrack again, we did see, well, I guess we'll finish this story, yeah. and then we'll go back to the type, sure. of, the type of bucks that I was seeing. Right. So, yeah, so this one, yeah, it was a really nice bucket. It was probably the best buck that we had seen so far in the trip. And, yeah, so basically I got out, got the gun loaded, and by the time I got on, you know, around and to where I could see it, it started trotting up along the ridge. And then I was hoping that it would go down to the little valley that opened back up again. But so I ended up walking up, caught his trail, and walked his trail a little bit. But the, he basically followed the ridge further back into the woods. And basically just decided that that, that deer was, you know, basically I wasn't going to be able to catch up to it. Now, I could spend the whole rest of the night trying to, 
but just knowing you know the type of hunting we were doing that it wasn't worth you know trying to waste a whole night going after this one deer yeah exactly but just to we'll back up and get in our story before our flat tires but um this deer actually had two horns there's a story behind that too for some of the deer that ty would see yeah so on that first morning we did see a nice buck that would have been a potential shooter but he was missing half his rack it looked like he had busted it off fighting fighting or something yep. like that um so ultimately i didn't end up shooting that one and then we ended up getting the flat tire and then the rest of the morning was ruined um dealing with the vehicle stuff so, but then yeah we saw that nice buck and we continued on continued hunting and then gary gives us a call to tell us that there's a big eight-pointer just up the hill from the house of course there is <laughs> of course there was yeah and we had actually just driven past the house maybe five ten minutes beforehand yeah, correct and we were down another 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 road so we make it to the end of this road and we're trying to get back um basically he, he was there with a bunch of does because um, oddly enough oddly enough the rut seems to be essentially it's ramping up during thanksgiving week essentially yep um you know basically the i guess the peak of the the action is thanksgiving day so it's the week before thanksgiving and the week after so so that's you know a lot of those bucks are starting to get on those does starting to seek them out so basically at this point it's almost you start seeing does you're, you're probably going to see a buck yeah actually i could um our guide was really good at pointing out deer but um i started to get pretty good it was kind of our joke i would say well, there's some does, and I say, okay, there's a buck around the corner. And I was right almost, uh, I would say, nine times out of ten, yep. there was a buck. Oh, yeah, it, it became, it became you know, that consistent that if you saw does, there was a buck somewhere around them, for sure. Yeah, it's incredible. But, yeah, so we end up hurrying back to the house. Sure enough, we get to the house. The does are almost right in the backyard of the house. Correct. And the buck is further up the hill. So trying to sneak around the house to try to sneak up to them. Uh, but ultimately, he ended up getting behind some brush, so I couldn't get a shot at him. And yep. then another vehicle pulled up, and these guys get out right. and try hunting the same buck. So they basically got between me and the me and the buck. So we had to uh, let that one go. We had to let that one go. Of course, ultimately, because of how close they got to it, that buck ran off. So I don't know if they decided not to shoot it or they just missed out on their opportunity. But. Yeah, that, so that was, uh, I would say, that the first day was quite eventful, and that got us right That got us right at end of shooting time. That had to be around just about 5 o'clock, yep. 5 p.m., uh, mountain standard time, by the way. Yep. But, yeah, so then, so day two rolls around. We've got a new vehicle, which, again, now having to pick up the midsize pickup truck, I mean, ultimately, that ended up being a blessing in disguise. Yeah, it really was. It really was. I, we could get down the trails. We had clearance. Um, the vehicle they had given us previous was a, a supposed mid-size SUV that um, was a lower level. It was not. It, so we had all. Yeah, we had everything we needed. It was the right vehicle for for this terrain because there is some there is some interesting roads. Yeah, because in the other vehicle, we were bottoming out on some of those rocks. Yeah, I was getting pretty nervous actually. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so day two comes around and. Again, we we ended up hunting a little bit before we picked up uh, our local guide. Yep. And uh, we did see, did we see any? We did see, a, I think, yep. a couple bucks, but 
None of them were really shooters. Well, at the one th of the bucks you seen was one horn again that was on the opposite oh, no, side. Oh, no, no. Take that back. No, we had we had gone down a road, and this is when I have my incident with. Oh, yeah. With oh, that's a great point. That I'll let you describe that one. So, yeah, so we end up, we're driving around, you know, basically kind of taking one of the roads to get over to um, where the guy that we were going to pick up to hunt with us. So we're hunting on the way. End up seeing a doe, really nice, probably, I think that was an eight-pointer again. Yeah. Get out, and this time it's perfect. You know, got set up, buck had both antlers this time. Yep, so yep. Beautiful shooter buck. You know, I had the round chamber and everything like that. Got centered on him, squeeze the trigger, and click. Yep. Round never went off. At this point, you're in the vehicle. You and Gary both heard the click yeah, without really. the, without the big bang. We can't probably say what we said, but we're, it was a lot of O oh in that, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so basically what ended up happening was when I chambered the round, because um, I'm shooting a semi-automatic, so had to let that bolt fly forward. I think just with me trying to be a little bit quiet with, you know, racking that round, I didn't allow that bolt to go all the way forward and, and seat properly. So that firing pin, when it went forward, it never touched around. Correct. Well, as soon as that, I heard that click, realized that there was a misfire, racked another round. But by that point, then basically that doe ran off, so the buck followed and tried to get a good angle on him, but wasn't able to get a good angle on him. They took off, uh, ultimately came back to the vehicle. Now, at this point, you know, this is a buck that it would have been a fantastic Michigan buck. Yeah. I mean, this is a really good, I don't know what he'd end up scoring or anything like that, but he would have been, he was a nice mature buck. Um, it's certainly in Michigan, it would have been a you know, very, very good buck for Michigan. So at this point, pretty, I mean, as soon as I heard that click and the gun never got, it, it was a perfect situation. That buck was what, 50 yards out maybe? Yeah, 50 yards at best. So at this point, you know, my heart instantly sank down to my gut as soon as that that gun didn't go off and they and they ended up taking off and we've talked about this and, and gary talked about it too like in michigan like that would have been the opportunity for the year it, oh yeah absolutely you yeah your year would have like been you done don't, you don't get chances at bucks like this all that often so feeling kind of down about it, but then ultimately realizing that you know the type of hunting you're doing and the and the number of good bucks that are in the area like there was going to be another opportunity oh, for that. for another shot so feeling down about it and really kind of disheartened that i missed that opportunity but being a little bit hopeful that you know we're going to get another shot yeah and I, I was assured we would so then we ended up um, picking up picking up our guide yep of course told him the story and then, so he's like, okay, yep, we'll just keep going. And we ended up, again, finding, you know, we end up basically just down the road from where we picked him up from town. Well, before we go too far, our guide is probably the, one of the most colorful individuals in all forms that you want to meet. So I think Ty not getting his deer was probably destined, whether we believe in that stuff or not, because getting the deer with our guide is probably part of the experience yeah and when we say guide he's just a <laughs> local guy that lives in the town a few miles away um that's friends with gary yep. um they've been <clears> friends <throat> for ever since they basically oh. they moved it or they built the house there they've been friends well and what part of where does he live 
Pringle. It was in Pringle. Pringle, South Dakota. I guess we can kind of talk about the history of Pringle. Yeah, Pringle's got extensive hunting history, and it, it pretty much goes around a violation, or better yet, known as poaching. Yeah, there was a big poaching ring um, that they were basically the there was the type of area, and they they did a lot of violating, a lot of poaching, um, just to make ends meet yep, and to get by. Meet. Yep, sold horns for people out east, you know, for stories, got meat for people local. So, um, you know, whether they be criminals, which most would say, or are Robin Hood, I guess some might say in the area, but, I think that's kind of how you justify it. Our guide um, had some type of association with that process at one time in his life. Yes, yep, which I'm sure m most of the public, because this town has what? I don't even know how many people. It's uh -oh. so small. Well, it's got this town um, doesn't have a gas station. Doesn't have a gas station. Doesn't it have a store. Doesn't have a store. They've got a post office. They've got a post office, and most importantly, they have a bar. They have the bar. Yep, yep. That's essentially the only real business that they had there, aside from their Correct. post office. Well, and the stack of bikes. And that mar marks them. Yep, they have a monument of a stack of basically just trash bikes that they've built up in a pile, kind of formed as kind of a statue yep. of such. Correct. Um, it's an, it's, um, you know, it, it is, um, an interesting town. I think it has a, a lot of old history and, um, most people wouldn't find that enticing, but I think Ty and I both found yeah. it pretty interesting. Yeah. And I, I honestly, the way it is, it is kind of run down, um, certainly not very much money in that town. No. Correct. Um, you know, some people might even be intimidated a little bit to venture in there. Um, you do get sized up a little bit in that town, yep. Because there's not that many people, so yeah, when you they show don't up. they don't have very many visitors, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so but he knows the area. He's lived there the, his entire life, and yeah, he knows the area. He knows every road, um, so he's a great great guy to have in the vehicle to, if you're trying to go out and find deer. Correct. Um, and again, he knows where all the all the big game is. So if you're if you're looking for anything other than you know whitetail, he knows where they're at. Yep. Um, so yeah. yeah, so he wasn't a hired guy or anything like that. He was just a local guy as friends with our hosts. And he just loves going out. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think he's uh, he's harvested quite a few deer in his life. He just likes to see people be successful and as he would say get big bucks. Get yep, yep. He, oh, he loves yeah, you can tell like how excited he gets. He loves being able to take people out and show them the area and and watch them harvest deer. Uh, he he loves that part. Absolutely. Um but yeah, so we ended up picking him up, and then we make a short road way down the road. Another doe, another good buck. Again, if we were in Michigan, these would this buck you wouldn't hesitate to shoot. Exactly. Get out, get the gun ready, size him up. He's missing an antler. Yeah. He's got one side missing, so he would have been a great eight pointer again. Yep. Another mature buck, but he's missing the side. The opposite side of the last one, you see. Yeah, yeah, missing the opposite side. So ultimately decided not to shoot that one. So get back in the vehicle. All right, we'll find him another one. By this time, Ty had, uh, I must admit, he did develop a, a nickname, and it's Ty Onehorn. Yep. That, that, that's the first time they've ever had anybody that has seen two deer with a horn broke off. <laughs> Yeah, because, yeah, even you noticed, like, last time when you came out, yeah. many of the deer are very symmetrical. You know, if, if they have four on one side, they have four on the other. If they have five on one side, they have five on the other. And yep. they're, they're very symmetrical racks, so they're almost identical 
I think Gary was idea. almost surprised his was an 11 point. You know, thought it was a. And by the way, they talk about we say 11 point. That's not what they say around there. That would be a five by six. Yeah, it's, it's four do. by four. Five by five. Yeah, they all go but with the same with 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 the Western theme. Yep. Where it's you don't say eight pointer, you say a four by four. Correct. Yep. But yeah, so then we get back in the vehicle and he takes takes us down another road. And I think Garrett was the one that saw this buck first, yeah. wasn't he? Well, okay, sure. Gary saw the buck first, even though I said I did, but he did. Yes, Gary did see the buck first, <laughs> although I'm not going to let Gary know that, but we'll, we'll have our debate. But sure. No, Gary seen the buck. Yes, he did. All right, so, so we ended up seeing another good buck down the little valley just off the road. Well, it was brushy enough where we had to keep driving a little bit, so we lost sight of him. Correct. And I think we were still looking for the deer, and then ultimately I saw a big body deer in the woods yep. um, going through the pines. So we ended up slowing back down, and I thought that was the buck walking there, but turns out this buck was with several does, so there are other deer in the area. Correct. So we're watching that deer, and all of a sudden we clear some of the brush, and there he is standing, what, 50, 60 yards 50 maybe? 50 to 60 yards, yep. Uh, standing out in the open next to this other deer. We uh, stopped the truck, size him up again, another good-looking buck, yep. nice well, at the time, we thought he was a nice 4x4 uh, four four and 8-pointer. Yeah. Well, and his b big body deer. So you have, uh, you know, I think Ty would tell you he, you have one side of four, you know, points big, and uh, you have a big body, probably the bigger, one of the bigger bodies you've seen of deer. Yeah, so, again, with us being in the Black Hills, the deer are a little bit smaller than, you know, our Midwest or Michigan deer, um, at least stature-wise. You know, they're just smaller, they're built smaller. Um, just because it's because of the type of terrain and the you know the food available to them, they don't get as quite as big as you know the Midwest deer. But this deer, you know, we saw very quickly good good rack on him, and then just a very big big body deer. Yeah, he he was eating well, it, absolutely. So at this point, had made the decision that this is a, a nice shooter buck. Again, get out. Same thing, making sure this time that the uh, the bolts all the way forward. Yep. And the buck was slightly cornered away at this point, and he ends up turning perfectly broadside at this Oh, yeah, this basically point. asked you to shoot him. Yep. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, that a lot of times these deer, um, it's probably just because of the amount of hunting pressure that, that, they, that they don't really encounter like they do back in Michigan, the deer really don't take off right away. Correct. They kind of size you up and kind of figure out what's going on before they take off. And especially, too, with this, with the time of year, you know, if the does stick around, then the buck stays around too. Absolutely. So that buys you some time. But sure enough, this buck gives me a perfect shot. Uh, this time the gun goes off. That's, that's a, a plus. That's <laughs> <laughs> I was so relieved when I heard that bang, for sure, especially because that yeah. last time, um, just hearing that click, it again, it just, it was heartbreaking. There were smiles in the front seat with our guide and myself and, uh, you know, we had seen uh, we seen the deer get hit. We knew, um, yeah, there was no question. Yep, yep. So Gary, he he got really excited because he hopped out of the truck before I was even able to turn back around to the truck. Right. Um, and he proceeded to just march up the hill, going after this deer now. So he wasted no time to go go after this thing. Oh yeah, he so, was already tracking where it went, and yep. shoot, he was getting fairly close. Yep. So we walk. So I start following him up the hill. And you guys pull up a little bit further with the truck. Um, I think you pull up at that point. Yeah, we did. Yep, we went up. 
um, our guide pretty much knew where he if that deer was, and he was pretty close. So we almost got in line with them. Yep. And pulled off the road. So we wake it up the hill, and these does again, same thing. They didn't go anywhere. There's there's three of them, and the one actually, um, as we're walking up to the deer, ended up being basically in between us and the deer. So we're walking up. We stop because she's about 15 yards in front of us. Yeah, and correct. It wouldn't go anywhere. Um, and we. And we really weren't seeing any, you know, any sign of where the buck had gone. So I ended up going back down to find the point of impact to see, you know, find a blood trail and everything like that. That doe finally ran off. And then basically 15 yards beyond her, there laid the buck. Yep. So Gary ended up seeing it, called me over, and we walk up on it. And I, I think Gary was a little disappointed at the size of the rack of the buck. Um, I think because we all, we all saw it. But then we end up, we we kind of made we all kind of made a quick decision that this was a shooter buck, right? Um, and didn't really I think because we all saw that it had a good rack on it. Yeah, absolutely. But then we all got hung on just how big a body the deer was. Right. We seen we seen a you know a nice tall rack, one side of it, and we seen you know big body deer. I mean it you know so basically you know the odds are that's a you know it's a big deer and and it is it was a big deer. Yep. But then. I walk up on it, beautiful, you know, four-point on one side, and sure enough, on the opposite side, it, it's essentially a three-pointer, but he's, it's not, you know, he doesn't have his full main beam. Right. Um, and he's got a brow tine and then one little basic little point uh, coming off the main beam. Um, so he's got a messed up side. So... And again, not quite what we had thought it was, rack-wise. Which, again, kind of rare in South Dakota, because... Um, you know, in 2017, when I shot mine, mine was a, a five by five, just real symmetrical. They're just, you know, typically, and of course, you see the one side, you're pretty, your odds are better than 50% that it's going to be symmetrical. Yep. So, yeah, so sure enough, dead deer, he only made it about 30 yards or so. Yeah, correct. Um, and just piled up, yeah. So we end up uh, grabbing him, get him down the hill, and even Gary noticed that this deer was a heavy. All right, so yeah, so essentially we, we ended up leaving off where we got the buck, get, we're getting the buck down the hill. And yeah, it was a much heavier deer than, you know, really anyone was really expecting. You know, it was really, I, I know, we almost, we all kind of discussed it that it was, essentially about the same size as like a midwest deer um body wise and weight wise so and then uh we got our guide to uh do his uh professional gut job and uh, yeah there was a story behind that <clears throat> our guide um of course is 72 years old um he's had to gut quite a few deer um fast um as we spoke about that earlier he's still even at his age, still, I think, finished gutting that deer in, wouldn't you say, just about two minutes? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, he, he is pretty darn efficient with it. He, he was, uh, uh, I think, uh, well, because the big thing is that from you, you had actually neck shot your deer when you were there. So he, when he was able to gut it, he basically didn't get any blood on him. Correct. So um, Ty made a great shot, but... Um, our guides used to, uh, I guess, maybe neck shots, just because 
he likes to uh, obviously stay clean if he can. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so yeah, but he, I, I think he kind of enjoyed uh, kind of showing off his skills a little bit because it's kind of renowned now of uh, his ability to very quickly gut, gut out a deer. Yeah, I don't know that it would be quite the um, technique that Ty or I would pick, um, but I would say this, uh, if you were in a hurry and you needed a deer gutted, this would be, uh, it's about the most efficient way I've ever seen it done. Which actually, again, with this hunt too, because he had to actually get back to the house so he could go to a doctor's appointment. So yeah. it was actually quite, uh, I don't know, it, it worked out really well that we were able to get this deer get it cleaned out and get him back to his house that way he could get to his doctor's appointment. Yeah, I think it was just absolutely um, ironic how it worked out. Um, you know, it's interesting, with the size of the rack of this deer, since Ty seated from one side, I still think there's just such a good story behind this deer that um, I don't think Ty's too disappointed with it. Oh, no, not at all. No, I mean... Was it a little bit smaller than what we initially had thought? Yeah, but this is a great deer still. Again, Michigan shooter every day of the week. Oh, absolutely. No, no question. And I think a South Dakota shooter. And of course, you see one side profile. And as we said, most of the deer in South Dakota are very symmetrical. So it was quite odd, but Ty just had to have this knack for one-sided deer. I'm not sure what it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, I, and that that was fitting. Again, we've talked about it that you know when I get this uh, you know rack on my wall and whatnot, is that is going to be you know part of the memory of just having that messed up side and having that best be everything that we saw. Cause so I guess we can fast forward some. So we've gotten the deer, we get yep. it back, um, we've got it hung up, and then we decide to do some more sightseeing and basically just trying to you know drive around, look at the sites and see if we can find more deer just to look at. Um, so we did some of that. I don't remember. Did we, did we do the, uh, this part of the state park? Yeah. Oh no, we ended up going to the other unit and trying to find mule deer. Yeah. So we, and that unit is, um, gives us higher, um, chances to be get uh, any deer tag. And, um, the goal, I think, for Ty and myself is um, we've never bagged a mule deer. So um, we did go to scout that unit, and we checked that unit out. And, of course, um, it's quite interesting driving to that unit because I did warn Ty we are in open range. And as we are in open range, going over to that unit, besides seeing multiple whitetail, um, we also drove amongst the cows. Um, something that's quite interesting, you know, in the West, when you drive out in open range, is you drive by multiple cattle guard on the road. But this particular spot over in 27A, when you go there, as Ty will tell you, you have to wait for the cows to decide when they want to move for you to get through this area. Yeah, yeah, because again, you know, where this other unit is, it's to the south, and it's on the southern side of the... The Black, Black Hills. Hills. So yep. it actually leads down into more of the, you know, basically the prairies, um, you know, getting down close to the, like to Nebraska, essentially. Well, actually, I think it's close to Nebraska or Wisconsin, or I mean, I'm sorry, Wisconsin, Wyoming. I think that you can get out, right? Yep. Yeah, Wyoming's, yeah, because, yeah, we're essentially, if you know where the Black Hills are, it's that basically it's the furthest west side 
or west south southwest side of south dakota so Absolutely. you're you're actually not that far from either nebraska or wyoming um yeah, correct and it's interesting um and diana will have to do some more investigation in this but from what we gather there's a mile buffer between those areas between the wyoming nebraska slash um south dakota for hunting ma mainly for retrieval yeah, I, I suspect that, yeah, you don't want to be hunting past the, the border, the state borders or out of that zone. But it's hard to tell exactly where the border is when you're hunting there. So. Right. So they give you that. And then again, yeah, if you shoot a deer or shoot, a, shoot an animal and it proceeds to go across the border, you can still essentially pursue and try to recover that animal. So, yeah. But, yeah, that'll be something that we'll still need to look into um, exactly what some of those rules are. But yeah, so we ended up uh, essentially driving that. We didn't drive through, or like really through the middle of that unit or that hunting unit. We basically just kind of skirted around the outer edge all the way around it. Yeah, seen kind of where it was laid out, how large the unit was, and how, of course, it would be definitely more challenging. Definitely would be getting out of the vehicle. Not so much road hunting, more, more you know, get your binoculars out, glassing the deer, and checking on the ridges. Yeah, yeah, because essentially how that's laid out is it's actually uh, you don't have a lot of elevation to climb up, but uh, there's a lot more uh, ravines and valleys to it. Um, so you're not really climbing up. You'd actually be doing a lot of climbing down to get into the area um, with these valleys and whatnot. Yeah, I agreed. And now I have um, in 2017, we did take a mule deer, uh, a smaller mule deer uh, buck out of there in um, shoot our I would think, um, I think it was just a fork horn, but uh, it's still a nice buck for the uh, for the um, young man that was with us, actually. And, uh, you know, we did that relatively quickly, but I think to get a large one, you definitely got to put your time in. Yeah. Was that Andrew's first mule deer buck? Correct. That was Andrew's first mule deer buck. Correct. Yeah, because I think he had gotten does before. Yes, correct. But, yeah, that was his first buck. Yeah, so, yeah. But, yeah, and he... I like his outlook too because he he doesn't always try to get the the biggest buck he can first, but his goal is is to always try to get the, a bigger buck than the the previous buck. Yeah, and Andrew, to be clear, is the son of our host who also came with us. And the last time he was in the Black Hills, ironically, was with me in 2017. So we were kind of reminiscing of what we had done back then. And um, ironically, I was out there without a tag, but I'll tell you what, doesn't matter. When you're seeing game like that and you're seeing a hunt like that, and of course Ty being successful, it's pretty uh, it's it's pretty exhilarating. So yeah, yeah. So we we essentially we drove around the entire unit. We didn't see any mule deer uh, driving around, but we did see some antelope. Yeah, um, we saw a good herd of them. And then again, you know all the uh, the free range cattle. Uh, there was plenty of calves that we thought about throwing in the back of the truck and taking with us, yes. but we figured that probably wasn't a good idea. Yes. Uh, yes. But they were pretty cute little calves, though, that's for sure. Yeah, it is interesting to be in the West and to be in the open range. That is just um, that's something you don't experience, of course, in Michigan. So it, it, it's fascinating that you're hunting out amongst that. Yep. Yeah. So then that kind of concluded the day. I don't think we did much driving around after we got back. Well, I think we did. We didn't. We um, circled back around. Didn't we see a mule deer that day? Didn't we come through? Yeah, we came through. 
Oh, we did go through part yeah. of the Custer State Park. Yeah, That's right. we come through Custer State Park on the way back. So circle back towards Custer. Um, and sure, lo and behold, we drive through the park. And it was, by the way, an interesting road. I was driving. Uh, I tried to do a lot of the driving in South Dakota to allow Ty to see a lot of the area since I've been through before. This road through Custard uh, State Park is very narrow, almost single laned. Um, I'm going down this road with nobody, nice and curvy, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, comes a semi on right down the middle of the road. Needless to say, um, there was anxiety because there was a ledge cliff on the other side of me. I hugged the whole ledge and the semi just moved over. I don't know that we could say we had two to three inches separating us. So it was kind of interesting. But as we proceeded through, um, sure and lo and behold, right in the middle of the road, I looked and said, oh, there's your mule deer. And there was a nice mule deer buck. Um, I would say, you know, was that a... Was that a three by three? I think it was a four by four. Just okay. It was a four by four mule deer buck, not the largest, but a very nice mule deer. And um, it was ironic because we weren't looking for a mule deer at the time. So when you look for them, sure, you don't see them. But when we weren't looking for them, of course, then we ran into a mule deer. So yeah. I think that Ty got some good images of that buck, and we were able to actually. I think run down the road while he kind of mirrored the road with us for a little while. Yeah, yeah, because he was in the road, and we, he ended up kind of going off to the shoulder. We pulled up, pulled off to the side, and then he proceeded to walk basically around the backside of the vehicle, just back down the road again. And then he cut up on a little different part of the road, and then we eventually started going, and that other road paralleled the road we were on. So, yeah, he was walking parallel with the vehicle, and he was just up you know, not very far. I was like 15, 20 yards up on this other road. And he was walking the road still, um, walking yeah. right with us until, and eventually we had to take off because we had another car behind us. We couldn't dilly-dally anymore. Yeah. Or dilly-dag as a... Do, dilly-dag as, uh, as our, our guide our would say. Yeah. He, yep. <laughs> <laughs> he was all about getting it done. He was, it's a term he used, uh, you know, getting that deer gutted, getting it back, getting it hung up. There was no, you know, no time to spare. Um, you know, it was it was interesting, but it was in all good humor, and I think good entertainment, as as uh, Ty would, uh, I think Ty would uh, explain. <laughs> Most definitely, yeah, yeah. He definitely, uh, he definitely had that good old boy type mentality, and he loved the joke and, you know, get us going, uh, laughing and whatnot. So he played into it, trying to get us to go, so or getting us, you know, laughing at, you know, some of his antics for sure. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, um, it, it was just all part of the extra part of that hunting. That's the same guide I hunted with back four years ago. Super entertaining. Um, definitely had some creative ways to tell you how to shoot the deer or shoot <laughs> at the deer. Um, you know, that we can share probably in a less PG atmosphere. But that being said, I think, um, yeah, he added th that, that, that rush, that excitement. The, it's quite interesting and you know to have somebody that's probably hunted that area for 60 years i would say since he's been a child it's pretty incredible you know the history he's been in all those areas and um yeah he knew where he was going where to see and, and i think i think the tie would agree every day of hunting season he's hunting 
whether he has a gun or not. He's scoping every area, checking every deer, and you know, um, it's pretty pretty interesting. So um, I don't know. Next time we'll have to have a Mark Horns for Ty so that we have him straight. But other than that, <laughs> I mean, he definitely brought us on to bucks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. He. Yeah. He was a wealth of knowledge, and just with him being out there all the time, like you said driving around seeing where the deer are what deer are there uh you know he would always say you know where he has his little ranch with uh, the cattle that he takes care of you know every every morning he would he would always you know question where we were because the big buck was down there when yep. he was doing the chores absolutely uh so that was the kind of the running joke too is that you know every morning that, that big buck's there uh, yep. whether we believe that it really was or not exactly he'd always be boys let's get going and uh, yeah, he, that w- it was all worth it. It was all worth it. So, um, you know, and I think Tyle explained that he's seen a few more bucks on this trip. Um, actually, uh, so many bucks that maybe he got sick of seeing them. I don't think Ty did actually. No, but. that that's impossible. Gary made the jokes <laughs> about that we're getting sick and tired of seeing bucks. Yep. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so we did uh, go through the that state park, see that mule deer, which was cool because that was the first mule deer that we we had encountered. With. We were we were actually searching pretty hard to try to find some. So we had we had lists, and one of the things was okay, see white tail, big ones, big bucks, then mule deer. Then we also had on our list uh, to see um, long haired longhorn sheep, Rocky Mountain goat, and um, elk, yep. and. Um, so I think we were going to go out the next morning to attempt to go to a road where there was potentially elk to be seen. Yep. That see- was the that was the first goal to try to find some elk. Yep. Um, yep. And then, so yeah, so we basically just kind of did the sightseeing, just basically looking for animals. Uh, again, this is like w- when we really started seeing the big bucks, because again, with the rut starting to ramp up. Um, I don't know. We saw, what, five bucks in that first hour first, of driving around? Oh, absolutely. And what do you think out of those five, at least three of them were shooters? Oh, most definitely. And they were, I think they were the biggest bucks that we had seen, except for maybe that big monster that we, you and I saw that, fir- <coughs> that first night. Correct. Um, but no, they were, they were all with those and just, yeah, they were, they were with those does and they were, they were definitely out that morning, especially in comparison to the day before, where they were still active, uh, but not nearly to the point where um, it was almost becoming a running joke where if we saw does, you know, those bucks were going to be there. Uh, and they were there. I mean, you you could just call it. Yeah. Yeah. You basically, if you saw does, you slowed down enough and basically looked around either on the other side of the road or, you know, just somewhere around them, there was going to be a buck. Um, and a lot of them were really good bucks. Um, so, yeah, we didn't end up running any or seeing any elk that morning. No, but I think, you know, as Ty will tell you, we went through um, another part of the uh, state park. And unfortunately, um, you can get tags for there if you're residents, but not for non-residents. But I think that that almost made Ty try to devise a plan to become a resident because he's <laughs> going to let you know some of the buck activity we've seen in that park. Yeah. Yeah. So we got into the, uh, a different part of the Custer State Park. Um, but yeah, there, the, the whitetail activity there was unreal. Uh, you know, it was, you know, we're, we're still in the vehicle just driving around and we're, we end up seeing uh, the first really good buck 
Uh, I don't think, did we see a doe first or did we see him first? No, we seen the buck first and then we seen the does that he was pursuing. Okay. And I think that buck, you know, didn't we watch that buck for a while? We did, yep. And all the things that he did, I mean, it's like watching, uh, I mean, I don't know, it's like watching a, a, a film put together on a buck or all the ideal things they do. Uh, it was pretty incredible. What, he had his licking stick? Yep, yeah. Scrape? So yeah, he came in and he was 25 yards from the road. He came in grunting, yep. basically with his head down, going after this doe. He stops, stops at a tree, uh, messes with his licking branch, and then, you know, pees, pees on his torso glands, makes a scent, you know, believe in his scent. He moves up, does another one. Um, I think he actually pawed at that one. Oh, yeah. And then, and then proceeded to follow the doe. And then we thought we saw another potential buck, but it got so thick that we couldn't see him anymore. So we thought maybe we might run into, a, you know, a couple bucks fighting. Um, but he was a very, very tall, not, again, not real wide, but very tall um, I think he was would have been considered an eight pointer. Oh yeah, I think you're, yeah, definitely. I think he was a four by four. But I'm at that point, the biggest buck that we had seen. Um, yeah, in the activity, you just got to see all the natural activity, you know, during the rut of the beginning of the rut, which was just incredible. I think to you know to see and and it, you know and you got to see it live. I mean, it wasn't no, it wasn't a video. It was there. It was 25 yards in front of you. And I think he could care less that we were there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there. And then we did run to that other buck. He was basically feeding on the hillside, again, right next to the road. And we stopped there for a couple of minutes just watching him. He was with a doe. She didn't take off, so he didn't care. He just kept feeding and kind of milling around. Um, another very, very big buck. He, this buck actually had busted off part of, uh, part of his rack. Um, I mean, it looked like he was clearly fighting because it looked like a fresh break. So uh, we kind of made a joke that that would have been definitely the buck that I would have shot with the messed up antler. Oh, for sure. <laughs> no, I think, you know, and I think as the trip proceeded, I mean, besides beautiful country, beautiful area, of course, I got in trouble with, uh, we, we want to, we, we call her, we'll call her grandma or mom. We'll call her mom. We'll call her mom. Got in trouble with mom a little because what we did was, um, Needles Highway was open, and uh, of course I didn't get to do Needles Highway the last time I was there, so we took it. Um, it was spectacular. I mean, that's all you can say about that. And uh, you know, we drove Needles Highway, and and it was unbelievable. And then of course, um, I think after that, did um, we did Needles Highway? Didn't we do Mountain um, Iron River? I, Iron Mountain Road. I, Iron Mountain Road. Yep. That is um, that is a must must do if you're in that area. I think that you know there's no um, I think you know if you want to visit Mount Rushmore, go ahead, bring your family. But if you really want to see Mount Rushmore, you drive that road, and that road, you know, it, it keeps coming out to pictures of Mount Rushmore and and play you know and basically frames it for you. Yep. So, so yeah. So Needles Highway that is. Um, a lot of where like the lot of the like rock like the rock formations and whatnot are and you just basically drive up into the mountain along where all these rock cliffs are and you know rock structures and towers and whatnot and they do have a couple of tunnel like tunnels cut out of the, the the mountain itself there's a few that you know i don't think we felt like we would make it through 
you know. But, um, of course, we had the vehicle for it. But there's there's stories every year about people with motorhomes trying to make it through there and getting stuck in those tunnels. And getting stuck in them, yep. Um, and then it was beautiful that time, too, through Neal's Highway because it had we had, it actually gotten some snow in that area. So everything was kind of snow-covered. Some of those hills and curves were a little worrisome because yeah. of how slick everything was. We were a little worried about sliding down the hill. Or I think we put the four-wheel drive on just to be safe. Yep. But then, yeah, and then the iron, like you said, the uh, the Iron Mountain Road. Yeah, essentially they've uh, this road goes around and climbs this essentially part of the mountain, and it, you keep getting views of Mount Rushmore. Uh, they cut out like you know they made sure they cut out the trees to where. Uh, you have a nice clear view and actually a, a couple of the tunnels the tunnels frame the view to round mount rushmore so you're coming up to this tunnel and it's perfectly cut out and it you know like you said it frames mount rushmore as you drive through the tunnel this is what they call the impossible road they said that it was impossible to do and they did it and um i mean it had the pigtails yeah, where you basically you loop back around, you drive, you basically drive over a bridge, and then you loop back around underneath that bridge, and that's just, to, I guess the idea would be to try to limit the slope of the road. That way you can actually drive through it where it's not too steep, I guess. Yeah, that's what I kind of came up with that, too. Something I want to look up in the future, but I tell you, it, it's just beautiful. But basically, all that was amazing, but... We <laughs> We're, we still were never done seeing game. No, no. So the next, the next big stop was to go down to, um, essentially somewhere in the valley, um, where there's a campsite and they have, you know, kind of like manicure lawn and everything yep, like that. Correct. And that lawn of that campsite is a big draw for, um, bighorn sheep. Yep. Uh, they come down, out of the the higher elevation. They come down and they feed in here. Uh, Gary was a little worried that it, it was a little early for them, especially for how mild the, the weather had been. Uh, so we get down there. There's basically two points that are parts of the camp where the first part we didn't see any sheep, but then we end up getting to the second part, and lo and behold, there was a bunch of uh, bighorn sheep down there. There was a few of the ewes down there, a couple of immature rams that... Uh, they kind of put on a show because they were kind of, um, they weren't they weren't bashing heads or anything like that, but they were kicking each other, uh, just trying to, I guess, uh, yeah, position. posture for, for the youth because they were definitely uh, the Rams were definitely ready to to do some breeding, I guess, and uh, but the youth didn't have anything to do with them at this point. Uh, so we hung out there, got a few good pictures and videos of them. We go to leave. And as we're leaving, you spot oh. you spot the big mature ram that was with them. Yeah, just a beautiful ram, just setting up there, just kind of scoping out, eating, scoping out the situation. And wow, he he was, I would yeah, he's a shooter if you could get a license, <laughs> wouldn't you think? <laughs> oh, I would think so. I don't know exactly the rules for no. bighorn sheep, but he was definitely he was definitely the big boy. Cause yeah, yeah, he oh boy. his his uh. His horns wrapped all the way back around, did a full circle, and he was just a tank. And he was, again, 20, 30 yards off the road. Oh, yeah, he could Just stand there feeding, watching the other ones. He's beautiful. Um, yeah, so he was, he was a great representation of what you could see in the area. 
Um, and then we drove up a little bit further, and we ran into another group of some younger uh, younger Rams again. But yep. yeah, so plenty of. I mean, we've om- we almost saw well, a good portion of uh, the big game. We didn't see any of the um, the mountain goats. No, we never um, seen the Rocky Mountain goats, and we've seen elk rubs, but we never did did see an elk. Um, you know, it was a little like I said in the season. You know. They winter in uh, in the Black Hills. Yep. So and they have quite the stampede that goes through. But uh, definitely, I think that's you know on our list. We'll definitely see them. I think uh, Gary, he's been with us. He got a cow before. Yep. Um, he had a tag for that um, area. And, and they uh, had seen they had seen uh, some bull elk. I think I think there was the day before we showed up. Yep. So they were in the area. We just didn't. We just missed out on an opportunity to be able to get them when they're out in the open. I'm I'm assured they're there though, it's uh you know, it, but I think we've seen a few whitetail. Do you agree? We saw some really good whitetail, that's <laughs> for sure. Um, but then yeah, so that kind of concluded that day, and then um, the next day we just we basically went up and we did more of the touristy stuff. We went up to Deadwood. Yeah, uh, this is a good story. Checked Just out the um, checked out the cemetery there. Where Let me do some history. Okay. So in 2017, I went. I got taken to Deadwood, and I had gotten my buck. And when we went to Deadwood, of course, I seen the biggest buck in my life. I had a picture. I've showed Ty to prove it was there. He was a four by four, but he was tall and he had a grid spread. Huge deer, right in the cemetery. Of course, somewhere you can't shoot, but unbelievable and just stayed there and there was another three by three in there multiple does so as we're coming to the cemetery as we're coming to the cemetery i'm pulling up and i'm saying boy if that uh that four by four is there that's going to be a heck of a deer and i look up and what do i see but uh, go ahead ty you can take it from there there was yeah a, a young mule deer coming down the hill walking down into the cemetery so again the the cemetery in Deadwood, the historic one where Wild Bill is uh, buried, along with uh, Clammy Jane, uh, there, yeah, this this uh, mule deer is walking down into the cemetery. So of course we're all tickled the fact that we're going to see another deer in the cemetery. Yeah, it's and, and it's I'm tickled because four years ago I seen deer in the cemetery, and sure enough, we seen deer in the cemetery, and we had some good stories too. And and it gets better. So we're walking up there. Next thing we know, we see a bunch of, or we saw a whitetail, yes. a whitetail doe. Next thing we know, a big old 4x4, 8-point buck, a whitetail buck yep. in there as well. Yeah, and the interesting thing about the whitetail buck, and I think um, we'll have to look at uh, Ty's theory. It's probably true. But they're more aggressive than the, um, ironically, than the mule deer. But I think because they're they're um, not hurting animals like the mule deer, that may be isn't that your your assessment of that? Yeah, because a lot of times, like for the at least from my understanding, is that for like the breeding, like for mule deer, they'll kind of create like a, a harem of you know does, kind of like what elk do, um, and they'll kind of fight over a group of does. Whereas a lot of times the whitetail, they're fighting over an individual doe that's ready. Um, I might be wrong on that, but that's kind of what. how i I understand it i like it i believe it so it sounds good to me (laughs) but uh but yeah it unbelievable i was just like 
Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. You know, besides that cemetery, it, it's a must-see if you go to South Dakota and you go anywhere near Deadwood because the view off of that cemetery is incredible. But I mean, when you talk about historic, I mean, you have Wild Bill Hickok. How much more of the West do you want to be historic with Wild Bill and where he's been buried? And then if you happen to be a hunter, you're going to see deer most likely if it's deer season. It's incredible. You're going to be a little frustrated because you probably can't have a, you can't shoot those particular deer, but boy, it's fascinating. So Ty, what happened when we were walking out, you and I? Well, yeah, so we did, we did kind of the, the walk around the cemetery and we, again, great view. You're, the cemetery is up on, like up above the town. Correct. Um, so you're looking over the town. So you get a great view of the valley with the town below. Um, and as we're starting to walk back to the vehicle, that mule deer buck uh, starts coming down the hill, basically right towards us, and ends up getting within, I don't know, 10 feet of us. Oh, okay. And it finally veers off, and it basically was looking for some, or basically looking for the the doe mule deer that were in the cemetery as well that I guess we didn't really discuss, but yeah. there was a group of, of mule deer does that were in there along with a little spike horn that was in there. But he started rooting around. You could hear him grunting as well as he you know, got his nose to the ground, basically searching for where those does went. But, yeah, he... he it was almost to the point he had got close enough. We were, we were both kind of worried that he might run into us. Or yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess I was quite concerned. I was like, wow, I think, um, you know, yeah, he got very close. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But yeah, he he uh, eventually yeah, veered off, but had no interest in us and was not concerned about us at all. Um, there was no fear of from him about us being in that area or being so close to him. He didn't care. He was so worried about those does. It, di it didn't even cross his mind. No, it didn't at all. But I mean, again, the deer activity, you know, um, in cemeteries, it, it, but it is interesting. Four years later, it really hasn't changed. It's, um, I think, you know, I, I mean, I don't know my theory, of course. I think there's good gro groomed grass, you know, place for them to eat. So the does have probably hung around there to eat. And of course, what, what Ty and I found, you know, during the beginning of the rut there in South Dakota, if there's does, there's bucks. Yep. They're they're close by for yep. sure. But yeah, so then we eventually we made it over then. Our next stop was to Sturgis to well the primary thing there was to go to Pizza Ranch. Uh, Pizza Ranch, which uh, a little backstory in that uh, Gary was talking about this basically since we showed up that that was the place that we were gonna go at some point. Um, so we had to make a stop to this Pizza Ranch, which essentially is just a Kind of, it's a chain, and, you know, and um, they, they have good pizza. But what Ty and I found out is they actually, in our opinion, have better chicken. Oh, yeah, great fried chicken for sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we made it to Pizza Ranch. But actually we had to wait until uh, they uh, opened. So we ended up, since we're in Sturgis, we ended up going to the Full Throttle Saloon. Full, full Throttle Saloon. And, uh, and four years ago we met this lady. The Full Throttle Saloon, the gate was closed, so I had snuck across the gate to get some pictures. My dad used to ride motorcycles, so I wanted to bring them back to him, pictures. And the lady came out and said, you guys can come in, and she was super host four years ago. Well, that lady still worked there. We show up, she comes in, and I think Ty was impressed. We had a full tour of the Full Throttle Saloon, and to be familiar with the Full Throttle Saloon, during Sturgis Biker Week, 
they go through up to 40,000 people come through there a day. And that's, I think, well, I'm not a biker, but I'm thinking Sturgis Biker Week is around 10 days. So they go through almost 400,000 people go through so go through this bar. Yep. And, and like, it, this place is huge. I mean, they've got, what, five beer or bar stations Correct. inside the building. And then outside, they've got a couple of food vendors. <laughs> of course, we're doing this on the road as we're trying to come home from South Dakota. Yeah. So, a little more extra entertainment there. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then they've got, what, two more bars outside. And then they've got their new bar that they just built. Yep. Which is right next to the distillery. Oh, you know, the fascinating thing um, for me, a little back history, my, my father, who unfortunately has passed away, and, and he was alive back in 2017, um, rode motorcycle, and he, was, he worked tool and die for over 40 years. And this place, Ty, I'll tell you, is filled with old tool and die machinery from lathes to mills. It's absolutely incredible. It is like going into a tool and die. Everything's metal, strength in there. I mean, it's, it is absolutely, I don't know, a wonderland, I guess, uh, for anybody into that. It is, it's America at its finest of what, when we built things. But I'll let Ty go on with that. No, I mean, you would actually be better to really explain, but yeah, you can walk in there and it smells like a machine shop. Yes, it absolutely does. And it, if you know that smell, it's a good smell. I mean, it, to me, I worked in the machine shop with my dad when I was in high school. I got an opportunity, you know, tried to learn some of that, found out that um, healthcare was more my thing. But um, the equipment's beautiful, and uh, it, it's incredible. It built a lot of the stuff that we have, you know, nowadays. And, um, yeah, the place is absolutely genius I mean in my opinion I would say that place is so solid I'm sure it gets a little rough in there during Sturgis but I think <laughs> as we looked at it it would be it would be hard for them to do much damage to this solid steel re crazy equipment and it is it's just really really cool now you know where we are by the way yeah right yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we got a grand tour um, because I mean, essentially, it, the place almost looks like it's closed for the season. But no, they're still open. So yeah, and that was too funny that you ran or that we ran into the same lady that had oh yeah uh, opened the doors for you guys last time. Um, and so there's a little bit of history there where. Uh, got to see the same lady, and again we got the grand tour, and yeah, she showed us all the stuff that they've done over the over the off season, and let us sample a lot of the liquor, which is um, that you know I, it was hard for us to do that, but I, you know we didn't want to, you know we didn't want to disappoint her, so we did have to sample some of that. So yep, so we did have to we did order a couple of drinks. Uh, Absolutely, um, yeah, but yeah, what a what a great place, great experience. Um, you know, but of course, you know, we finished out there and um, we, we went back and we did get our pizza ranch in, which pretty much was the food we had for the day. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was the meal, meal of the day. So, yeah. And then that basically we, we, we did take another more scenic route back as well. Yep. Um, but that was kind of the wrap of the trip. We, we ended up basically kind of having to get back and get kind of packed up and ready to go to head back home. 
Yeah, and Tyler and I, we got everything together. We said bye to Ma, you know, Gary, and we knew we were going to get up early. Um, you know, we were so excited to hunt and get out that I don't think we slept. Yeah, maybe we averaged four hours a night. So we were up by, you know, 2 hour, two a.m. Mountain Time and on the road. Yep. And we've been on the road now um, quite a while, and we're getting closer to home. I think we're just about an hour or so from getting Ty home, which is pretty good. Pretty yeah. solid Well, trip. right now it's uh, 11.40 p.m., and we got on the road. It will, I guess it would have been for Michigan time. It would be 4, 4.30 a.m., um, little backstory though, we did have we did have a little delay because we did have to stop somewhere. So where <laughs> do we, where do we stop, Ty? We well initially since we were going through Escanaba, we tried doing a search of if we could find anything from Escanaba in the moonlight. So we tried find the cabin um, where where they had maybe uh, yeah done uh, some shooting of the movie, and um, there is an area they did it, but nothing exists there anymore. But we did find out in, um, was that? Was it Rapid City? Rapid City, that they have the bar there. Yep, so the, so the bar uh, that, um, was it right now? Now I'm blanking on his name. Oh, the, the bar. Revnar. That, Revnar uh, stops yes. to get the beer. Uh, the actual bar where they filmed that is in Rapid City. Yeah, absolutely. And, um... We'll have to look at the name again. We have it down, but um, we did have to stop in there. We did have to um, have a beverage, you know, very minimal beverage because we're driving. But um, it was uh, they not a lot of things in there about it, but they did have a picture on the wall that signified that's where they had done that scene. Um, so it, it, and um, we we did have a, a very nice uh, bartender that. Um, as a child was pulled into the movie to try to be an extra at the football field in the stadium. Yep. But she said it wasn't worth it. She didn't, she lost sleep and they didn't even get in the movie, but <laughs> the story was interesting anyway. Yep. But yeah, it was kind of funny. Like I was, I, I'll say I was a little disappointed that they didn't have, you know, any memorabilia from the movie or anything from it really aside from that little, I don't know. It was almost like a brochure type yeah, picture. Kind of like, a picture with it, with the, you're, that shows that oh this happened here, but that's about that's about it. But you know we know it. We were there. It was on our route. It wasn't out of the way at all. And um, yeah, it just kind of added a little bit of interest to it. Um, it was kind of fun, kind of a funny thing to do to get you know. Plus we got off the road for a couple minutes. Yeah, which was probably a good thing, you know. But uh, it, it was a good way to kind of top off the trip. And now we'll get home and we'll get. Uh, ties us stuff back get him dropped off and um i think it, it was quite i think i would say it was a successful trip yep yes we just yeah we're just yeah we're we're made it to gaylord now so we're just leaving gaylord we're off the freeway so we're getting pretty close we're gonna wrap this up pretty soon but yep and and of course we're in michigan so we got snow yep, it, <laughs> yeah of course we're hitting snow now so um but i guess the last I mean, the really wrap up the trip. I mean, continue on all the road for 13 miles. We've we've talked about or we talked about like several times that it it's surreal when you get out there because um, you kind of explained to it before we even got there when you came back that you know it's kind of it's unreal just how many bucks you'll see or how many deer you'll see 
and the opportunities that you have for to get a good deer. Yeah, and it's you know the difficult thing, um, the the style hunting we do, it is fast hunting. You have to make decisions quick if you're going to shoot that deer. Um, and the the part about that that you know, sure, you know, I think. Um, you know, you pass on deers, and, uh, you know, Ty passed on certain deer, uh, you know, had the one horn, of course, that he was going in and looked. And, you know, the deer that Ty got, I think, was is a great deer. And, um, yeah, would we wanted a bigger rack? For sure. But the deer was big. It was a good deer. It was a clean kill. Um, I think it was a great story. And I think, it, as we were saying, we left a little meat on the bone. I think Ty wants to go out there and try it again because I think that there was just a lot of downloading of knowledge of the of the difference of the hunting. Yep. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing too. Like, like yeah, you you run into an opportunity there, and if you mess it up or if you don't get your shot or like you if you have something go wrong like the misfire that I had, um, you know here here in Michigan like that that's your hunt like that that was it almost feels like sometimes like that was your opportunity for the year. Whereas out there, because there's so many good deer, um, you know, if if something goes wrong, if if you don't get the shot, if the deer runs off or something like that, you're gonna you you will have another opportunity uh, if you keep putting the time in. Oh, for um, sure. You're not gonna have a shortage of encounters with with good deer, um, which is really something that if you're from you know from Michigan or someplace where the hunting is you know pretty tough, um, it's it, it's hard to adjust to that really yeah, when you're first there it's hard to pass on any deer like to say oh that's a three by three i don't know that that's big enough which of course in michigan we'd say is a six point but it's a six point really tall but no we better we'll pass we can do better yeah well that's a that's a that's an eight point or a four by four as they would say well we might go taller it, it's it's a tough um yeah you know you feel like um i don't know maybe a little selfish like, oh, you know, you got your opportunity and you should take it. But there is lots of opportunities. Um, I think, you know, as both Ty and then I learned from going out again, you know, what the, there, there are big bucks out there, though. There are, you know, um, there's no question that there are, there are some monsters. There are. Yep. Yeah. But, yeah, and this, it, you know, we've we talked about it a little bit again, and we'll wrap this up pretty quickly here because, <laughs> yeah, we're getting – we're – we're getting into where we need to start paying attention to the roads again here. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, you know, it's a big transition from, from you know, Michigan hunting or, um, you know, the typical hunt that you would do. Like this road hunting, yes, it can be fast-paced. It's quite a bit different styling than what um, I'm sure most hunters would be used to. Um, so there is a bit of learning curve. But, yeah, there's plenty of opportunity there. Um, and it's... You know, you can, some people can go a whole season and never have a, an opportunity out of a good buck. Where here, you have plenty of opportunities, um, you know, to potentially get something there. And so it's kind of, it is kind of nice when you, you've gone a whole season of really hard hunting, and then you get to this, and it's action-packed and oh, uh, very exciting. I mean, and, and even those lows, if you mess something up, like I said, you'll have an, you will have another opportunity if you put your time in there still. So. And you get to share the experience, so I think that's interesting, too. Um, if, if you like the people you're with, and I felt like we really did. We just had a good crew. We got to share the experience, so it's an overall experience. Yeah, and, and again, this was this was great. I mean, a lot of times for my hunting, it's um, not a lot of, like, the big, like, hunting camp type, uh, um, 
you know, camaraderie, or not, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, you don't get the camaraderie, you know, you, you, you kind of put your own time in, Ty, and, which is rewarding when it pays off, you know, you put a lot of time in to go hunt. You know, I hunt on my own land and private land, and I kind of do my own thing, and I know Ty puts a lot of time in. But he not always get the deer, you know, Ty was lucky, you know, to go out with his dad this year. I think that's incredible. So that was really good. But, you know, that deer hunting camp experience with friends, and this is kind of both yep. into one. Yep. Yeah. And again, yeah, yeah you said it You said it so well. That like, yeah, you get that hunting camp mentality, and then, like, you're, you're all hunting together as a group. Um, it's not it's not like you come back to camp like you are actually in the hunt as a group together so you you get to share in the entire experience all together um you know from start to finish essentially so that that's really fun about it for sure um yeah i think yeah i think i think we all had a great time you know we all learned a lot but i don't think i don't think there's any disappointment i think it's um boy it, it was an experience and of course I'm ready to pull a tag next year, you know, whether it be one for all, any tail or, or one for a white tail and black hills. I find it all pretty exhilarating, you know. So this kind of got me pumped for, my, for myself to pull a tag next year. And, um, yeah, I think we look forward to it. And we hope it's something that we can do. It might not be every year because of what way we can pull tags, but definitely something we can do. Um, you know, every two to three years, I think is would be pretty incredible. We're not sure when we get home and we have to talk to our wives about trying to go next year. <laughs> I think that's probably the hardest part of it. But you know, that's something we can work on. Yep, yep. We got all we got all all next year to you know work that out and get that put together potentially. Yeah. But but yeah, no, great great experience. I mean, it it was it was a great trip. It was I would say it was almost a perfect trip aside from. The fiasco with the first vehicle breaking right. down or getting those two flat tires, but again, uh, that ended that, up getting we end up getting a better vehicle, um, especially for the trip home um, yeah. and and for hunting those roads. Um, like you said, it's rocky. Some of that terrain can, can be kind of sketchy, especially with the type of like basically a crossover SUV that we originally had. Um, yeah. So yeah, it. I don't know. It did add to some of the humor. It did. That that. You know the, the two flat tires out in the middle of nowhere with no cell phone reception. Uh, that was stressful at the time, but funny now for sure. But then yeah, we we got. I mean, everyone that had tags got a buck, and then we were able to go do sightseeing, see tons of other game, um, and just kind of just kind of do touristy stuff almost too. Um, and then we get we come back and um, we had great weather essentially the whole time out there. More or less great weather all the way back. Again, now that we're back in Michigan, we've run into some snow. Um, but a great trip all around. And, yeah, I, I mean, if anyone was, you know, wanting to do, you know, a western hunt that um, is action-packed like that, you know, those Black Hills, they are there's something special for sure. Yeah, and I don't think you don't get more, you know, you can go more west in the United States than the, the Black Hills, but I don't think you get more western culture than the Black Hills. I really don't. I think, um, boy, it brings it all there. I mean, you know, while Bill Hickok, you know, the deer, um, it is, uh, I mean, some of the things we've seen, I mean, we went to 
we liked Pringle. We went to the bar um, at, in Pringle, and um, we had an interesting uh, group of cowboys in the bar. To come to find out, unfortunately, they went to a funeral, but it was for a cowboy's funeral. So, I mean, it is, it is the Western hunt experience. I mean, the complete experience, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah, a great trip all around. Uh, would do it again in a heartbeat for sure. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. So, but yeah, let's wrap this up because, yeah, it's snowing again and we should probably pay attention here. So, <laughs> I think that's a wrap. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>